Blog Talk Radio. Learn how to take your caring and giving farther with the Caring and Funding Podcast powered by Cap America. Cap America, America's leader in cross-border philanthropy, helps corporations, foundations, wealth advisors, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management program and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact and ensure their gifts are made in a safe and effective manner. This caring and funding podcast is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. Our guests are leaders in their field who join us to share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of CAF America. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at capamerica.org, on iTunes, and now just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of CAF America's Caring and Funding Podcast, Ted Hart. And thank you for joining us here on this podcast, the Caring and Funding Podcast. CAF America's global partnerships enable carefully chosen teams around the world to bring together the very best of talents and strengths. In today's world, philanthropy often moves at the speed of the internet, even if human condition has not yet learned to heal or grow or change or rebuild or host of other things that philanthropy can and will address at the same lightning speed. CAF America's global partnerships enable us to bridge those great divides by bringing to the American donor the very best of philanthropic expertise and services on the ground in countries around the world. Through this podcast series, we introduce our listeners, our donors, to partners we collaborate with and partners who collaborate with us in making it possible for that long arc of history, that long arc of philanthropic change to bend a little faster with much more assurance and with a full regulatory compliance, risk management, and regulatory compliance that you have come to rely on from CAF America. Today, in this special edition of the Caring and Funding Podcast, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Rana Kotan, the Secretary General of TUSEV and our partner in Turkey as a member of the CAF Global Alliance. TUSEV was established in 1993 by Turkey's leading civil society organizations and has grown to support a network of over 100 associations and foundations that share a vision of strengthening the legal, fiscal, and operations infrastructure of the third sector in Turkey. Among TUSEV's main objectives are nonprofit law reform, research on civil society and philanthropy, promoting social investment, and social justice philanthropy, and facilitating partnerships across the sector as well as across borders. TUSEF play, has played an active role in catalyzing, in catalyzing events for the development of civil society in Turkey. For the past 15 years, TUSEF has been a leader in improving civil society laws, generating research and policy for the sector's future, and encouraging dialogue and cooperation among private, public, and third sector actors. Rana Katan is Secretary General. She has nearly 20 years of experience in business and philanthropy. Before being appointed as Secretary General at TUSEV, she served as the Director of Programs and International Relations at the Sabanchi Foundation, where she oversaw the foundation's programs which aim to achieve social inclusion 
and equal participation for women, youth, and persons with disability. She has worked at Arthur Anderson, EFT Istanbul Securities, and Sabanchi Holding Security and Business Development Group. Rana has received her MBA degree from Yale School of Management in 2004, and more importantly, it's my pleasure to welcome her here to the Caring and Funding Podcast. Welcome to the special Global Partnership Series, Rana Katan. Hello, Ted. It's a pleasure for me to be here in your show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and particularly to have Tusev as our partner in Turkey. Tusev is at the center of philanthropy throughout Turkey and serves as a leader and a bridge builder across sectors. Help us understand why that is particularly important in Turkey. Uh, We are an infrastructure organization uh, with 80 members, consisting mostly of leading foundations, but also uh, a small number of charities from Turkey. And almost all of the leading civil society organizations are in our network. Therefore, together, we are a strong community. Um, And our purpose is to contribute to achieving a stronger, participatory, and credible civil society in Turkey. And we can do that only uh, with our community. Um, actually, because, because of the vast yeah. network that you represent and the, the large number of uh, organizations that are members of your community, you also become a, a center of knowledge and information uh, for philanthropy. My understanding is that many turn to you for information and have questions uh, for you uh, about how things are to work and how they can succeed. Help us understand the kinds of questions that are asked of TUSEV and the kinds of things that people in Turkey turn to to understand and learn about philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, TUSEV is uh, known for its legal expertise and advocacy power. Um, Yes, as you said, we get lots of questions. We provide legal assistance and consulting uh, to charities. Um, Those questions um, vary widely. It can be related to, you know, legal uh, stuff, like they want to change their official documents, but they need guidance about how to do it, or they have tax-related questions. Um, Sometimes they file a tax document incorrectly, they need guidance, or someone wants to establish a nonprofit organization but doesn't know how to do it. Um, they want to convene a board meeting, uh, but they don't know how to do it in times of pandemic. Um, or they demand um, collaboration for a program, a project. Um, so it can be you know, different things, um, but we're always there to provide assistance and consulting and share our um, knowledge as much as we can. That's one of our um, main services actually uh, under our legal reform um, program area and we also um, do lots of monitoring uh, about how the country performs in terms of basic freedoms like freedom of speech assembly association we follow the policy making processes because sometimes um, the charities also ask us about um, you know how the policy uh, is going or whether they can participate in those policy making processes um, so we guide them um, as well and uh, we also uh, work a lot to promote collaboration with um, a public administration between civil society between public administration and also 
um, with private sector and academia and all of these different um, stakeholders as well. There's a very strong role that government plays and the rules are very different in Turkey that might feel a little bit less um, uh, open uh, for uh, uh, Americans who are looking uh, to be involved with philanthropy. So it's important to have a partner who is very knowledgeable, as you said, of the laws um, and uh, has a very broad network uh, to work within. Um, in uh, 2016, there were street protests for many weeks. Um, and after uh, that, uh, there was a, a coup attempt. Many charities and foundations were closed down by the government in the aftermath of that. Help us understand why that period of time um, is important uh, to understand the current state of philanthropy in Turkey and the role that TUSEV is, is playing um, in uh, prominently helping uh, provide transparency uh, in philanthropy in Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, Turkey has a strong culture and long history of giving and civil society. And I can say that there is an advanced and developed civil society capacity comparable to most of the European countries. Um, but at the same time, um, there is um, shrinking civic space um, after this unsuccessful coup attempt you mentioned uh, back in 2016, we have been observing um, this shrinking civic space more and more uh, because the government closed down um, nearly 2,000 nonprofits. And um, we are following all these uh, developments in order to defend and protect civic space. But at the same time, civil society sector provides uh, crucial services especially during this time after this um, acute period of this pandemic is over, there will be a time for um, you know, relief and um, for healing. And we expect um, nonprofits to play an even bigger role uh, in this period. Um, but also the funding um, is limited, especially for rights-based CSOs. Um, in, in general, international funds constitute the biggest source of funding, with EU having the largest share, um, but also some other foreign funders like embassies, SIDA, MOT, Mercator, and other foundations also provide um, grants. There is a you know, small number of Turkish grant makers also available. Um, individual giving is more targeted towards traditional channel, uh, channels. Private sector funding is mostly limited to corporate social responsibility, and there is no you know, systematic public funding mechanism available. Um, so we are trying to make sure that um, civil society can access enough funds to continue their operation. And we also have this aid collection law, which is limiting and discouraging uh, for nonprofits, especially after the COVID-19 Mm -hmm. I did want to uh, ask you specifically about the aid collection law and what that means. Um, so help us understand what the effect of that is, because that, that's a law that, that we would not necessarily be familiar with. Um, and then um, how the government is interacting with uh, charities and what sort of permission charities must have to undertake fundraising. Mm -hmm. 
Um, this actually, this law is not comparable to any of the, you know, international examples. Um, it's it's very limiting uh, and very discouraging for nonprofits um, to collect um, col uh, to collect aid uh, because you need to go through cumbersome and long processes for approval in order to make a fundraising campaign. Um, and um, most of the time, um, you when you have to act quickly, especially when there is an earthquake or a natural disaster, this law really creates a barrier uh, because it takes a long time to get uh, an approval for this campaign. Um, and sometimes uh, you can't even get this approval because um, there are some subjective criteria where your uh, application can be rejected. So we are currently preparing to advocate um, to potentially amend this law or change it completely. Uh, we are working on different scenarios about how we can make it easier for nonprofits to make their fundraising campaigns with either no or little approval procedures. Um, so we're mm -hmm. planning to meet with um, public officials um, to make it possible. We'll see. Mm -hmm. So the aid collection law itself is a law that uh, requires that the government provide approval for a charity to run a fundraising campaign before they run that campaign. Exactly. Is the uh, government currently providing that sort of approval for charities? Yes. Uh, no approval is needed if someone just comes to you and uh, makes a donation without asking. So there is no approval for that. But if you want to run a campaign, you want to ask for money for this project, um, then you need to get this approval. Um, but as I said, some um, rights-based NGOs uh, get rejected um, based on non-objective criteria, or if they are not rejected, it takes too, too long. And then, you know, the disaster or earthquake, whatever, it, it passes, and then, um, you know, several months pass, and then the approval comes. So um, nonprofits cannot really act quickly. Um, so it creates a, a significant barrier uh, for nonprofits in their fundraising activities, especially after the uh, COVID-19 uh, period when government uh, wants to collect the donations uh, themselves. Mm -hmm. So th that's, a, that's a, something, again, that, that we would not be as familiar with, the government itself as fundraiser, hel helping us help us understand how that stands apart from uh, a third sector as fundraiser? Um, right after this pandemic um, erupted or came out, um, the government started a campaign called uh, We Are Self-Sufficient Turkey. And um, they asked uh, everybody, like government officials and big foundations, companies, even individuals, to donate uh, money to this campaign. Uh, we know that um, the collection was um, used for poor families um, to provide them support and food and you know, basic stuff, but uh, still um, there is no detailed information about uh, how the funds were used. Uh, we just know in general uh, that the fund was used for this purpose. And at the same time, the local administrations wanted to start a campaign, but they were stopped. Um, I mean, it, it's difficult, but um, if we can make um, an amendment to this uh, law in, in any way, I think um, 
nonprofits will gain a lot uh, from this. So we're working mm-hmm. on it. Ren, we're going to take a very uh, quick short break, um, and when we come back, I want to explore further the importance of TUSEV's standing in society as a trusted and neutral advisor, and we'll be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org, on iTunes, or just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, back to the Caring and Funding Podcast and our host, Ted Hart. And we're back here with Raina Kotan, uh, the Secretary General of TUSEF. And uh, Raina, um, this role that TUSEF plays in uh, Turkish uh, civil society is a very important one, uh, one that I think is, is maybe um, you know, outweighed uh, in few societies as trusted and neutral advisor. Help us understand why that's important and, and why American philanthropists need to know about TUSEV's role. Mm-hmm. Well, TUSEV has actually different roles. Um, an important role is, as I mentioned, the legal expertise and uh, thought leadership. And another role is community building, convening, bridge building. And yet another role is inspiring and motivating people to give more strategically and effectively. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, When you look at the giving behavior of Turkish people, um, it's very much dominated by charitable giving. Uh, We uh, performed a survey and a research, uh, and the last one was published uh, earlier this year. And based on this research, um, we see that social capital is weak. Uh, That means people don't trust each other. That's why they want to give directly to people they know, like friends, relatives, who are in need. So they prefer uh, to uh, give to the beneficiary rather than donating to an organization. Um, And there is a lot of giving for religious purposes and uh, to beggars on the street. Um, So the giving through institutions, um, uh, to civil society organizations, I mean, is only 12% of the entire giving volume. Um, So we want to specifically increase um, this individual giving um, made to uh, nonprofits. We are working on that and we have a specific target to increase uh, this giving. Although we find all types of giving um, important, uh, our goal is to grow um, this type of giving because um, civil society really needs um, even, even small amount, it doesn't matter, but it needs uh, regular donations from individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so our role is really uh, motivating. Is drawn, this information is drawn from the state of giving survey that you that TUSEV uh, does every three years that, publish, that you publish on donor behavior. Uh, you've also done surveys of donors uh, during the global pandemic. Yes, we have done a survey uh, as well. Um, actually, during this pandemic, uh, we were creating platforms to share experiences with our stakeholders, and we were trying to understand how the crisis affected them. So we had several meetings with our members, with our affinity groups, uh, like lawyers, grant makers, philanthropy professionals. And then uh, we observed the need um, to eff- to have a further analysis. Um, that's why we made this survey. 
And some of the key findings uh, were that, um, uh, you know, about 28% um, of the nonprofits um, had to stop all of their activities completely. Um, and I looked at the CAF surveys also to compare this number uh, with CAF results. Uh, and I've seen that um, in the previous um, CAF um, survey, it was 13%. In the last one, it was down to 7.5%. So the um, situation in Turkey is a little worse than um, what came out from CAF America's survey. And um, also 62% of the um, civil society organizations reported that there is an increase uh, for the need uh, of their services. So they're aware that they have an increased role and responsibility. And this was uh, similar to CAF UK survey uh, where they said 58% um, said the same thing. Um, so there will be a bigger role for civil society organizations, um, but they struggle with resilience. I mean, they struggle for survival. Um, That's a difficult position for these organizations to be in to uh, have uh, increased utilization of their services, but decreased access to funding. Exactly. Uh, we found out that nearly half of them, uh, of the respondents, I mean, said that they cannot survive more than six months, whereas this number was 33% in CAF UK survey and 18% in CAF America survey. So the resilience is weaker in Turkey, as expected. And um, uh, that's because uh, access to funding is limited. Um, it's limited by this. Uh, due to this aid collection law, but it's also uh, limited because individual giving is still law. Although we're trying to increase it, uh, it will take some time. Um, and we also want to increase corporate giving, by the way. The private sector uh, in Turkey was very successful in meeting the immediate needs of hospitals and healthcare professionals in the beginning uh, of the crisis. But since now it's time for healing, um, we will um, try to channel their support uh, to the civil society organizations which work on the front line with communities. Uh, but I believe, especially during this time, um, uh, you know, a, a potential collaboration with CAF America would be really, really useful uh, to support Turkish nonprofits. Uh, because uh, the resilience is weak, fundraising is difficult, and um, we know that CAF America has um, the means and experience to, ch uh, to channel giving from American donors to countries in a secure and tax-effective way. And if we can um, do that together, and if we can make this kind of funding available for Turkish charities, I think uh, it would be a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right now, let's talk specifically about the collaboration that we have been discussing uh, for um, uh, for Americans to be able to support charities uh, in Turkey and the role that TUSEV uh, would play in that. So help our, our donors, speaking uh, directly to donors, what role would TUSEV play in working with CAF America and making it possible for Americans to give to good, trusted uh, charities in Turkey? 
Um, TUSEV is the umbrella organization of this strong nonprofit community in Turkey. Um, so we know everybody and uh, we have the power to motivate and inspire. Um, therefore, I think we can really guide um, the process by, um, by um, um, like giving you a, a list of legitimate uh, NGOs who are working, uh, you know, who have the expertise and were doing a good job and a necessary job um, in, time, in times of relief uh, so that we can um, work together to uh, validate those NGOs. And then once they are validated, um, you know, uh, we can channel funds together to securely and um, quickly reach these NGOs because there is an opportunity for American donors to significantly contribute to the effective operation of leading NGOs um, so that they can continue to be part of the solution by providing services on the ground to the ones who need them the most. That's right. Our donors here in, in, uh, in the United States rely on CAF America for full regulatory compliance risk management and regulatory compliance. In joining forces with TUSEV, we have the opportunity to get to know these charities even more, to rely on and to uh, be able to gain the knowledge that TUSEV has of these uh, charities and the deep information that they're able to bring. So together, we're able to provide and assure donors who wish to support philanthropic efforts in Turkey, uh, an even deeper knowledge, but also the capacity uh, to give to the very best of charities uh, who can make a difference on the ground, not just during this global pandemic, but in uh, future needs uh, in Turkey. So uh, we're quite excited about this, and we want to thank uh, uh, TUSEV and, and you, Reina, for the hard work that we're putting uh, into making uh, this collaboration possible. We think it's going to be quite uh, important for uh, philanthropy in Turkey, but also very important for philanthropists who have an interest in making a difference uh, in Turkey. Um, Reina, we only have a few minutes uh, left here together, so I want to make sure uh, that you have an opportunity to speak directly to uh, American philanthropists and to share with them uh, the role that uh, TUSEV plays and the importance that TUSEV brings to these collaborations uh, here with CAF America. Uh, I'm very excited uh, for this collaboration opportunity with CAF America. I think together uh, we can join forces and create um, a great opportunity for American donors um, to contribute um, to Turkish civil society. I think um, it's very exciting, uh, and I hope this will be the beginning of a fruitful uh, relationship for all of us. I have no doubt that it will be, uh, Irena, and we want to thank you very much for the work that uh, TUSEV, the Third Sector Foundation of Turkey, is doing, and uh, we welcome you as, uh, as our partner, and we want to thank all of the donors who already give to Turkey and invite other donors to join us in making a difference uh, in Turkey. Thank you for joining us here on the Caring and Funding Podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast, powered by CAP America. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our archives, sign up for our free newsletter, and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at cafamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast.